hello and get ready. Prepare your heart as we dive into the Word of God. Pastor Steve Castle of Beloved Church in Lena, Illinois, is about to lead you into a life-changing encounter with grace and truth. Jesus Christ has a divine destiny for those who are willing to open their hearts to receive His favor and blessing into their life. Our prayer is that you will allow the presence of the Holy Spirit to radically display the Father's love for you. You are part of God's beloved family, and that means you are greatly loved. Now over to Pastor Steve. All right, so this is my uh, bride of 26 and a half or 25 and a half. I was married to her. Uh Uh-uh. You can keep your condemnation to yourself. I was married to her on June 18th, 1995. And I married her on June 14th. 1997, because we eloped the first time. Nobody knew about it except for mom. And then we got married, married the second time. That's right. I just don't know the math from 95 to 2000 and... 2021? See, none of y'all do either. It's, it's a number. So anyway, we're, half, we're almost at June, which will be... 26. So we're in mid-25. She has been my bride for all those years. She has been honored to be my bride for about ten of those years. <laughs> she she argue those kind of statements. So uh, so there is nothing that's off the table. I do want to let you know that our ushers would be honored to give you a Bible. I actually grabbed one of our Bibles that are here. So that I can answer your questions right from the exact same Bible that anybody in this room, if you needed a Bible, you would get one of these Bibles. So if you need a Bible, raise your hand. We'll give it to you. If you want it signed, Kay will be standing out there later. She'll sign it for you. <laughs> It'll be worth a lot of money. We also do have uh, one anonymous question that we will uh, get to um, for sure. And the reason that we're doing this is so I know how many people are asking questions. Because sometimes when I say, okay, who's got a question? I see two hands. I'm like, okay, so I'm going to take all the time and answer two questions. And then at the end of it, five more hands show up. So if you do want to get up and slip over and sit here, just make sure you do it before the end. (laughs) Otherwise, you are not going to get your question answered. All right. So the first person is, I'm not going to name him, on public, in public. Good morning, beloved. I just want to say thank you, Pastor Steve and Kay, for this opportunity. Um, it's almost been, it actually has been one year since I walked in these doors. Amen. We almost, Best year we ever. Almost didn't, we almost didn't let him in. He was playing the drums, so I got away with it. Um, and it's also been almost a year pretty much a year since they tried to shut these doors, and we stood firm in the truth, and here we are again, um, just, you know, knocking knocking the devil down. So, amen to that. Uh, my question this morning, uh, the, with everything that's been going on outside these doors and in this world, which doesn't belong in this kingdom, but um, I've heard people use a certain scripture that... Uh, got twisted in my heart and I didn't 
I didn't, uh, and I'm trying to understand it, so that's why I'm here today um, to grow deeply into this one. It was um, 1 Corinthians 9, 19, and um, they used it for how we are to go about in this world wearing masks and, and everything like that, that we are to subject ourselves to be less than the kingdom is what I, what I grabbed from it. But, um, so I'm just trying to grab some understanding of this. And I've been digging into it personally, but I um, would like to hear more. So if I can share it, I have the NIV version. That's what I have here. So First Corinthians nine nineteen. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I become like one under the law, though... I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. And this is where it got a little tricky to me here. That's where they really use it. To the weak, I become weak. To win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share this, share in its blessings. And what 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 they did was to me was use this to imply that, um, in order for me to be a child of God and preach the kingdom, that I needed to put on this thing, a veil on my face in order to love them. And I felt in my heart that I was only going to lie to that person and lie to myself at the same time by wearing that veil and giving him the kingdom. So I'm trying to better understand this scripture so it doesn't stay twisted in my heart. That's all I have. Uh, that's actually a really great question because this is, this is relative stuff. Um, just so you know, a lot of churches just stay away from this stuff. So we're just going to preach the gospel. If the gospel that you preach doesn't set people free, when they're dealing with actual physical things, legal things, political things, educational things, workplace things, if your gospel doesn't touch those things, it's not the gospel. So all these churches that are saying, well, we're not going to get into that, then what they're saying is we're not going to get into the gospel. I'm just going to stand up here and talk for 30 minutes and make sure you guys give me a paycheck. Because that's why they won't. Because if they say something offensive to someone who's on the other end of the debate, then that person will leave and take their Todd check with them. I determined a long time ago, I am not going to preach based upon your Todd check. It was a good decision, because we didn't have no Todd checks. <laughs> and so now it's the same thing. I've had people actually threaten me, like, hey, you better back off that stuff or we'll leave. I just said, well, i got news for you. You're already gone. The audacity for you to come up to me and tell me what to preach based upon your opinion. Who made you Holy Spirit? And they left. And one of those folks was one of the biggest givers in the church. And he thought he had way on me. He didn't realize that my father takes care of me, not his paycheck. So I'm free from all men, to, to quote a scripture. I, I'm not going to be 
um, led around by society, and I'm not going to let it do it to you, and then try to justify the reason I'm not getting into the deep subject matter that most people actually want answers to by trying to say that that's not gospel. That is an abject lie. The reason that uh, our young people in school right now are literally being sexually tyrannized, and I mean the language I just used, they are being molested by an education system that you are paying to do it. And the reason that they're getting away with it and the kids are letting them do it to them is because we think that these subjects are taboo and not to be touched. So guess what? The devil says, hey, that's fine. You don't want to talk about it? I will. And I'll show them pictures, and I'll show them videos, and I'll pay teachers to do it. And then the preacher stands up and says, well, I'm not going to talk about sex. That's not okay to talk about it. Really? You think that they ain't talking about it? (laughs) Don't make me raise your hands. We all know. The reason that it's messed up is because we don't have God's perspective on it. In a Jewish wedding, some of you don't know this. In a Jewish wedding, the wedding, first of all, the wedding lasts seven days. And the reason it lasts seven days is because the couple is supposed to stay in the tent for a week together. And everything needs to be provided for them. That's why it lasts seven days. People are cooking food for them. People are doing whatever. On the initial night, when they go and consummate the marriage, after stuff, the groom brings the bed sheet that has the blood on it from the hymen out and throws it on the top of the tent. And it stays there for the whole week so that the whole world knows that they have entered into a blood covenant. And it was done in purity. And so everybody invited to the wedding knows if the groom and the bride were married in God's context, which is two virgins. Now... (laughs) I've literally gone, been invited to weddings where people are on their fifth and sixth husbands who are jokingly talking about their white dress. I'm going to stand up there, my white dress, nobody's going to know. I'm like, you don't think people know that you had four husbands? What the heck is wrong with you? And so we violate all these these general principles, and we think it's okay just because we've, we have made the Bible fit society. And I got news for you. The Bible don't fit society. The Bible has a culture from heaven and either your society fits the culture of heaven or it's not the culture of heaven. So when you take, when you take something going on in our world today like masks, and I, dear Jesus, don't get me started on this. Yeah, you did a you did a great job of avoiding it. Uh, uh, let me just say this. 
Um, for about 20 years, I've been a jade tree mechanic. Uh, thank God, because there was a bunch of times Kay and I wouldn't have got into our next day of, of destiny if I wouldn't have had to figure out how to put screws and nuts together. If you took a hose and duct taped it to your exhaust pipe and ran it up into the intake of your car and taped it to the intake of your car, can anybody in this building speculate what the end result of that would be? Let me help all of you non-mechanical people. The intake is where air comes into the engine. The exhaust is where air comes out of the engine. So if you take what comes out of the engine and put it into what goes into the engine, the engine will eventually either vapor lock or it won't have the oxygen it needs to create the, the uh, combustion that will turn the engine. Are you for real that you think that your body is any less complicated? You're going to breathe your exhaust for six and eight hours and think that the combustion is going to take place appropriately? And here's the ignoramus part. Here's one of the many ignoramus parts. Most of those masks are made in China by people that don't like you. At all. Not even a little. You think... And they're also paid by a government that hates you to make the masks. They have found asbestos, fiberglass, and other stuff. I'm not going <laughs> to need to stay away from this. So the fact that, that we're even having this conversation with cognitive human beings... It shakes me. I'm very concerned about our world right now because they could be talked into anything. You know how they do one of the tests for COVID? They take it and they stick it up your... Fill in the blanks. And if you think Q-tip knows, you would be wrong. Because the real tests are done a different way. And the fact that people let other people do that to them. So what this verse is, first of all, let me say this. When you, when you take something purposefully that is meant to highlight a spiritual truth and try to apply it to an ungodly system, what do you think the end results of that's going to be? The context of the scriptures tell you very clearly what the application of things are. You find me a verse in the Bible that says thou shalt wear a mask in 2021 because the world's going through a pandemic and I guess I left you here so you need to go through a pandemic so you better do what they do. Find me that verse in that context. We'll talk about it. And you're going to need three to verify it. Because let every word be established out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. The Bible does not get into this. It expects people to understand their liberty, not in the history of the entire human 
world, the human population, ever, has your personal health choices, your personal health choices, been mandated by a tyrannical, oligarchical government, except for now and in communism. The fact that I just put those two together should make you very afraid of the direction that our nation is happening. One of the things that you should hold the dearest is the fact that you have liberty to make the decisions you need to make over your own personal health choices. And for someone to shame you because you make a different choice than them and you feel the shame and they don't, has shown you how far this has gone. For me to walk in a store and for someone to shame me because I'm not masked up, and they think I should feel ashamed and they should feel righteous, I got news for them. They can go on their merry way, but I promise you, I have no shame because I know what my choices are. Now I'm going to balance this. When you go on to somebody else's private property, they have rules. And you don't get to come in here. You know, the Bible clearly states that real, true, authentic freedom in Christ is to be naked. Anybody free? I am. But we also understand that people aren't that free. And so when you come to my house, when you come to Kay and I's house, you probably understand you're going to live by our rules. Or not live, stay, visit, whatever you want to do. If you come to our house and we have our, uh, we have our shoes off neatly stacked at the front door and you come in and our house is clean and our floors are clean, you probably pick up on the fact that it's a no shoes across the house house. If you come in and I answer the door and I got my shoes on and I'm walking around the house, then you probably pick up on the fact that we do wear our shoes in the house, which Kay and I do. We wear our shoes in the house because I don't, I don't think carpet is so, is so precious that I'm not going to walk on it. Um, so if I, if Kay and I invite you over and we say, hey, the rules to come to our house is you come in and you stand on your head for five minutes and cluck like a chicken. You may not be willing to be that embarrassed. So you're going to decline our invitation. And you have the freedom and the liberty to decline. And we have the freedom and the liberty at our house to make you stand on your head and cluck like a chicken. We do. It's our house. If you're coming in, you're coming in under our... So if you go to a store and they have a policy at the store that this is what you do... That's what you do. Or you don't go to the store. And probably most of you have figured out there's some stores that are more adamant about it and other stores that aren't. So go frequent the stores that aren't. And I'll say this. You never know who's going to enforce it. Because everybody's got the stinking sticker on the window. But you never know who's going to enforce it. So I will tell you that I walk in every place without a mask on. And if they come up to me, 
I, after discussion, generally comply. Because it is their place. Or I leave. And I have. I've done both. I've had discussions with people. I won't tell you places because I don't want to call them out. But there's places I've had discussions with people and they're finally like, you know what? That's fine. You don't have to wear it. I've had discussions with people and they're like, hey, we're... It's not really us. We literally had a health department sneaker in here last week, and they find us because five people in the store didn't have masks on. They find them. I'm like, and then there's people that are just militant and mean. And those are usually the places that I just walk back out. I'm like, I really don't want you to have my money. So I take my money and I go. So having said all that, you you need to work all that out. You don't have a right in Jesus' name to be all like, I'm not wearing a mask and you're a jerk and call the law. You, you don't have a right to be unkind in Jesus' name. You do have a right to protect your liberties. And if need be, then leave. But if I ever see one of y'all acting a fool in a store, I'll slap you myself. And you'll forgive me. <laughs> so this verse, the, what is the context of this verse? Evangelism. Mm -hmm. I will guarantee you, I will bet anybody in this room a $20 bill right now that anybody that's ever used this scripture to verify their masking up to do evangelical things for God, I will bet you $20 they haven't led anybody to the Lord in 20 years. I'll bet you. Because this is just their excuse to carry on about their life and not literally engage with other people. Because how in the world are you going to be standing there in a mask with somebody six foot apart and preach the gospel to them that gets from your heart to their heart through two masks? Are you for real? And I'm not trying to negate the power of the gospel because the gospel is the power of Christ, unto sal uh, the power of God unto salvation to all who will believe, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Romans 1, 16, 17, and 18. So I understand that the gospel is the power of God. But there is something about human interaction that makes the gospel tangible and real. And you're going to do that from six foot apart with two masks on. And the person that you're talking to, if you've noticed this, a lot of people that wear masks, especially wear it really, really militantly, they're half asleep most of the time. And their eyes are bloodshot and they're struggling. And you're going to preach the gospel to them and you're going to use the Bible to make that okay? Are you for real right now? But people do it. It's because they actually don't want to challenge the narrative. They don't. They're, they don't want to actually find something in the Bible because it, otherwise it would be like, oh man, I, I'd be honored to do this this way. But the fact that we know all of these folks are resisting the government, forcing them to make decisions about their health, people that aren't willing to have difficult conversations or resist the powers that are trying to steal away your liberties because people don't have the strength, the intestinal fortitude to actually push back against evil, they just succumb to it and then get their verse. You know, there's verses in here that the LGBT crowd uses. 
Well, David and Jonathan were gay. What? You can't even make that up unless you're on purpose trying to twist Scripture. That's exactly what's going on with people doing this. But as God... Oh, I flipped my page. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. Is anybody foolish enough, unspiritual enough to realize that what Paul meant was like if he went to an island that did cannibalism, that he would eat people? Anybody? It it would fit, right? In the same context that we're using for the mask, it would fit for cannibalism. Why would that not be wrong? Why would you get to pick and choose? I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. The word servant is is dulios, I'm almost sure. Um, She's got a concordance. Is it dulios? Dulios, which means a bond servant or a bond slave, which means that you're submitting yourself to servitude. You're maintaining your own rights, but you are laying down the... uh, you're, You're laying down the personal... Uh, attachment to your rights to make yourself available to serve in a really heartfelt way another person. How in the world can you put mass in that context? When people are are really masking up and they're doing it for the reason that they believe that it's uh, securing them from a virus, it's fear, y'all. And nowhere in the Bible is it going to tell you, go ahead and get into fear with someone so that you can rescue someone in fear. Get into adultery with someone so you can rescue them from adultery. Get into drug abuse with someone so you can rescue them from drug abuse. Those folks are in fear. And what they need is someone who's not in fear to rescue them from fear. And I know I just offended a gazillion people because I'm not in fear wearing my mask. Then take it off. Well, no, I might get the virus. Ta-da! And the amazing part is, these exact same people are calling us ignoramuses, a bunch of weird spiritual people, because I actually believe that Psalm 91, uh, Isaiah 53, 4 and 5, Matthew 8, 17, and 1 Peter 2, 24, actually believe that they're real. They believe in a mask. And I'm the stupid one. And I could take their mask and pour coffee into it, and coffee will drip out of their mask. Which means, it doesn't stop coffee. If it doesn't stop coffee, it doesn't stop a virus. Dear Jesus, I'm not even a scientist. I can figure it out. It's fear. And I'm not telling you to go lurch on them like a chicken on a June bug and like, you're in fear. But there is something about being free that attracts people to freedom. The reason that America, everybody is trying to get into America is because we still have a little bit of liberty. Way more than a bunch of other places. 
Liberty draws people in. You being free will draw people in. You being a jerk and being the anti-masker and walking around with your anti-mask t-shirt and making fun of people wearing masks is not liberty. You're in a different kind of slavery. You're in political slavery and you need to be rescued as well. To the Jews, I became as a Jew. Isn't that religious in context? Biblically, a Jew is a person who practices Judaism. So people who are in Judaism, Paul, a person trained in Judaism, understood how to go in there and use the scriptures to rescue people in Judaism. That should be super clear. To the Jews I became as a Jew that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. Who's under the law? Anybody that was operating under the Torah or the Levitical laws, which were people that weren't just Jews. There were proselytes and Samaritans and other people that have adopted the Judaism uh, culture and religion that Paul also could go to them because they were under the law. What's really radical about this statement is Paul saying, I'm not under the law. <laughs> That'll mess with a bunch of you. You're not under the law. Amen. Well, you better keep the Ten Commandments. I agree. But if you're in Christ and you need the Bible to tell you thou shalt not commit adultery, you're probably not in Christ. If you need Hebrews 10.25 to tell you to gather together with the saints and you need someone to actually come to you and say, hey, you should gather around the saints, you're just not in Christ. You would want to be around people that think in freedom, that think in liberty, that operate in the finished work of the cross. You would want to be around that. To get away from that just means that you're not in Christ. I'm not saying you're going to hell. You're just not in Christ. If someone needs to beat you, if I took the, the Bible and said, well, it says right here, honey, that your body belongs to me. And it does. I can show you two places in the scriptures that this is mine. It belongs to me. And if I come to her and say, well, this is mine. Get in the room, baby. Don't you know? She's going to be thrilled. <laughs> she is going to be so crazy excited. She's going to be like, I am so glad you found that in the Bible to beat me up with and get me in the bedroom. If you've got to use the Bible to make someone do your thing or whatever, you guys realize the law kills, but the Spirit gives life. The law was not made for a righteous man, but for ungodly people. You know what the purpose of the law is? To go to someone outside of Christ who is living ungodly and go to them and say, do you not realize that the way that you're living is going to kill you and damn you forever? That's the purpose of the law. If you ever use the law on a Christian, you have just ushered in death. Paul says he knew how to operate under the law and go to people that were operating under the law and show them the freedoms. And so he acted as if he was under the law to get around people that were under the law so that he could bring them into freedom. He was like the original 
heavenly special agent. To those who are without law, that was the Gentiles. In case you don't know, the Ten Commandments was only written to Jews. The Greeks and the, and the Persians, and all, they all had their own way of going. <laughs> Which is another thing that... Uh, I'm not going to go there. Those that are without law, I became as one without the law. What a radical statement. He could go to people that had no Ten Commandments. He could go to people that didn't have any of the Christian laws and the Christian rules that we have in, in the UPC, Pentecostal, Methodist, Lutheran, which I don't want to leave one out, so I'm going to pick on them all. I'm an equal opportunity picker. So uh, whoever it is, all your laws, because we all got our laws about how things are supposed to be, to go to anybody that doesn't have any of those laws. There are people in this room that you didn't grow up Christian. You just heard the gospel one time and you're like, what? And I've, we've had a bunch of those people come to our church. And God bless some of the folks in our culture. They want to kind of pretty them up and shine them up. And, 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 I, and I'm cool with that. But another thing I've told people is just let the culture change them. Uh, Andrew Womack tells a story one time that he was preaching and there was a gal in the front row and she was bouncing up and down. She was so excited about everything that he was saying, like two or three services. So finally, he had her come up and was like, man, what happened to you? She was literally bouncing up and down with excitement while he was preaching. And I've had some responses like that. <laughs> Not that exact one. And so he had her come up and she started telling her testimony. She's like, I was lost. I was in drug abuse. I was a prostitute. And um, two months ago, I got saved. And God is so effing awesome. And this is the best GD thing I've ever experienced. And this is better than sex. And and she went. And this was her testimony. And all these people in the <gasps> sucked the oxygen out of the room. <laughs> And she went and sat down, and he said, she is probably one of the few people in this room that's having an authentic experience with God. Because you guys are so stuffed up in your religion and in your piousness, your false piousness, that you were offended because she actually told her testimony in language that meant something to her heart. We still do it. Paul knew how to walk into a bar and to be as if he was someone that was comfortable at a bar. Not because he was, but because he understood the hearts of those that he's made. If you're comfortable at a bar, if you can go to a sports bar and sit down and hang out and watch TV especially the TV stuff that we were just talking about this morning in prayer. The stuff that's on a sports bar TV is not something anybody in this room should ever watch. Because if they ain't naked, they're doing stuff that shouldn't be watched. Period. If you're comfortable at a bar, I would just ask you to get born again. You shouldn't be comfortable. But you should be comfortable doing whatever it takes to get to a heart. It didn't go over very well. 
Was that a clap? That's <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> all you get. One, one slap from one hand. I like my bar, preacher. Not being without the law towards God, but under the law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak, I became as weak, that I might win the weak. So, weak what? He quit working out? Canceled his gym membership? No, he became humble and meek. He didn't come in here. I got all the answers for this room. Don't you know, I'm the Apostle Paul. No, he came in very, very graciously, very meek, very humble. Not weak as in he couldn't handle the situation, and if they ganged up on him, he would have been undone. Paul literally debated with people in Athens, the seat of the philosophers. He debated with them and won. It's not like he didn't know how to stand up for Christ. He didn't come in and do that arrogant thing. I... This happens a lot with me because people want my counsel and they want my help on stuff and they'll spend half hour, 45 minutes and I just listen. God bless them. And they'll tell me all the great things about them. How amazing they are, all the things that they've gone through, how many things that they're really, really successful at. And then they'll tell me the problems and they want to answer the problem. And a lot of times I'll just give them whatever capitulate because they're not going to do it. You know, many people come and get counsel from me? I need your wisdom. I need your counsel. And then go do the opposite. Like, no, you didn't need my wisdom or my counsel. You just wanted to talk to a man of God so you felt better about making the decision you were going to make all along. Well, I talked to my pastor, and he told you to do this. Well, no, but I talked to the pastor. I prayed about it. Oh, God told you to do this. No, he told me to do the opposite, but I prayed about it. Okay, good for you. He didn't come in. That wasn't the way Paul came in. He didn't come in like, I know everything. You guys need to listen to me. He came in and said, well, what do you guys think? This is a really great evangelistic tool for those of you that want to be evangelists. Now this I do for the gospel's sake that I may be partaker of it with you. Decisions that you make to lay down your personal liberties for the gospel will be exactly that. Decisions you make to lay down your liberties because you might get fined. You might lose some money. You might lose your job. You might not get a vaccine uh, pass and be able to go to the sports game. And you're going to lay it down for the gospel? You lie. Don't do that because God knows your heart. I've laid down things in order to do the gospel. But I've never lied to myself and say that I've put some things aside for the gospel when they weren't for the gospel. Me putting a mask on or taking a mask off is not for the gospel. All right. Hope that answered the question. Do you have Yeah, I just, um, my, my answer is more simplified. And when I read that, um, it's more, I... I'm not, everything he said was great, y'all. Don't be picking on my husband, okay? 
Um, I'm just, I'm. Thanks, baby. Yeah. Amen. Got your back, too. Totally love everything you said. Amen. Love you back. Um, For me, it is um, kind of the synopsis is engaging people where they're at. For me. Um, Because we all, that's our open door to be able to maybe give someone a new perspective or something, a different way of thinking is like when we're with my family. <laughs> I'll pick it's on being my family. I know. I'll, well, I'll pick on my family. Um, you know, we go to family get-togethers, and they don't, they don't believe the way we do. They don't have a relationship with Jesus the way we do, but yet we still go there knowing that we're going to have opportunities to engage them where they're at. They're going to maybe speak into something going on at their workplace. They're going to let us engage in something going on maybe with their kids or just life. And we we go in and we just love on them where they're at. And they know that we don't come in saying, you're doing everything all wrong. What are you thinking? What are you doing? We engage them where they're at. And so it's just, to me, it's just... Wherever they're at, let me engage you there, because then, then they know. Like just like he said, you know, you don't come in saying I've got it all figured out and you're doing everything wrong and just beating them over the head with all of the wrong they're doing. Um, so that's maybe a simple answer to the question, but, but for me, that's kind of what the what that boils down to for me, um, because I really. It shouldn't be all about the mass. Just like he said, it should not be about the mass. It should be going about your father's business. And if I have to wear a mask for five minutes to do my father's business, I'm going to wear that mask for five minutes. It's not about this mask. We're making it about the mask. It's not about the mask. It's about doing what our father has called us to do. And if there's things we have to do in order to do it, let's do it. We, when we were in Honduras and we went to... A church service at the park. All the all the gals wore skirts. That was. We all willingly said, "Okay, we'll put a skirt on to to go to this church service at the park, so we can engage with this church community and this church family and love on them and pray with them." I'll wear a skirt for that. You know, it just really is. Um, just about that people don't people don't care about what you know until they know that you care and there's a way to show that and there's a way to not which is why this whole thing that's going on right now you got the maskers who are Nazi maskers and they're completely deceived and in fear and whatever. But then you got the other side, where you got the Nazi anti-maskers, and they're ready to draw guns on each other. I'm like, you think that you're? Which one of you guys think that you're actually right? <laughs> this is something that's bothered me about the church. You can walk up to the average Christian and say, "Well, what don't you like?" Well, I don't like this and this and this and this and this and this is wrong with the world. This is wrong with the world. This is wrong. Okay, so what are we going to do? I don't know. Watch TV? You know, all the things that you hate and all the things that you don't like, 
don't have a clue what to do about it or how to engage it or what you're supposed to be doing. If I, made, if I took a pop quiz in this room and made everybody fill out, do you know exactly what your divine destiny is and are you doing it today? We probably know how that would turn out. But if I could say, tell me the five things that you hate about the things that are going on in society right now, you'd need two sheets of paper. Candy? It's really hard for me to even ask, but God's telling me to do it, um, so please show grace with me. Um, Friday, I've been struggling for the last couple months mentally. Um, and Tabby and Craig came up to me at Friday asking if I was okay, and I'm like, no, I'm not. Um, Dennis has witnessed me praying in tears over it. Um, and I know you know a lot of my background, Steve, with my sister. And Don't talk about it. Well, and, right, I'm not going to say that. And And Bob does... Or from our grace group too. What I'm having difficulty with, I'm so glad my niece is back in my life, but she looks so much like that person. It's like very hard for me. And it's not her fault that she looks so much like that person, but it's like Bob, like he talks in grace group with the elevator buttons. You know what I mean? That's like top floor for me when I'm around her. And I feel guilty because it's not her fault, you know, the person that she looks like. But I'm struggling how to be around her and not think of that. You know, do you get my point? You know. Yeah. Let me, uh, before you go any deeper. uh, So probably most people in this room. Or, and a lot of people out there, you've had traumatic experiences, which likely came from an individual. Um, one third of all the girls in this room have been uh, either sexually molested or violated in some way. One third. Which means that some jerk guy, likely some jerk guy, was on the other end of that. And the spectrum is all the way from well, I hate my dad because of what my dad did, or I hate my uncles because my uncle did it, or I hate all men, or I hate all people. It depends on where a person falls in the spectrum because they created all this junk in their life and their heart based upon a traumatic experience or multiple traumatic experiences. Um, so the response is, you're carnal and immature in that area. And I love you. But as long as you hang on to that, and you hang on what's happened to you in the past, you will be tortured for the rest of your life. I, I got you. So, so this is this is what um, this is. Hi, this is what uh, this is where racism comes from. Well, like them because I don't. Their skin looks different, and I know that you're not equating the thing. But they actually did something bad to me. 
Well, there's, the reason that racism exists is because some generation of some generation of some generation of some generation had something bad to them happen because of somebody else's skin color. It's the same thing. It's bigotry. It's sexism. It's whatever is the language that you don't like, it's that. It's the fact that the devil did something to you X number of years ago, and what the devil did to you X number of years ago actually has more impact in your heart than what Jesus did for you. Because if it ever became more about what Jesus did for you, you would completely forget about it. Because my wife has said this publicly, I can say it publicly now. She was sexually abused when she was younger. And you're not going to meet a freer person in Christ than my wife. And even with those people. Because she knows who they are, and I know who they are. And I'll tell you right now, she's a whole lot better with those folks than I am. I have to fight off when I'm in the room with those folks breaking their necks. And I'm not being funny. I literally had to fight it off. Because this is my bride. And they did that stuff to her when she was a little girl. And she's completely free. Completely free. She can be in the room with those people. She can talk to them. They can laugh. They can joke about stuff that happened in the past. She's completely free because what Christ did in her is more real than what those people did to her. And that's true about you. Right. And what, so what the enemy will do is he'll, he'll do things on purpose to try to take you back to some carnal or immature place. Because if he can get you to go back there, then he can likely get you to stay there or live there or at least visit there. And if you know the enemy's tactics, now you know how to resist them. Now you know how to defend against them. And on purpose, you can go after those things. Like, thank God I didn't grow up. I'm going to talk about this probably a little bit next week. Um, but we didn't. We grew up in a very uh, racially diverse uh, upbringing. We grew up in, in Section 8 housing and mobile home trailer courts and uh, projects. And so there was a bunch of times we were the minorities. <laughs> we were the only white kids in the, in the whole group. And so anyway, I grew up very, very, very racially diverse. Like, I didn't care at all about race whatsoever. And then when I figured out that there were, I was <laughs> unique in some environments, I was shocked. As a little dude, I was shocked that somebody actually like looked at somebody's skin and made a judgment about who that person was. I'm like it's just like when I was a kid I wore glasses. I was I was 2400 when I was a kid. But you, if you know what that means, that means that what you can see at 400 feet, I can see at 20 feet. So I had big, and back then they didn't have the cool glasses where they could magnify them and they'd still be thin. Like I had Coke bottles. And I, so I knew what it was like to get picked on over something that I didn't have nothing to do with it. I didn't make myself blind. I didn't make myself have to wear glasses. Do I take them off to be accepted by people? To carry things that have nothing to do with that individual, even if they were the evil one. 
I mean, if the cross is really real, aren't we supposed to love someone the way Jesus loved? Which is, like I said, she's better at this in that regards. She can love those guys. Like Christ loved her. That is radical. Because what Christ did for her is more valuable by infinite numbers than what those guys did. And by the way, let me just say this. If you actually believe in being born again, which I know most people don't, they might espouse it, they like the language, they read the scriptures. But if you actually believe that you're born again, then what happened to you then wasn't even you. And now you're upset over something that happened to somebody else? That's why I'm saying, like, it's carnal and immature. And I'm not picking on Gandhi, calling her that. I'm saying that thinking. Not her, that thinking. If you've been born again, everything that happened before that happened to a dead person. Who's in a grave, rotting, and you're upset about it. For real. That's what I'm saying. We need to grow up. If you've actually been born again, it didn't happen to you. And by the way, even if something happened to you after you've been born again, it didn't happen to you. It happened to your coat. Because the real you is the spirit. And ain't nobody do anything that can get into the spirit of Christ. If God be for you, who can be against you? My turn? Rip it. Okay. Um, I'm just going to expound a little bit on what Steve said. That that was the... uh, I don't know what word to use. The key, maybe? Maybe that's the word I'm looking for. Um, To what gave me the ability to be in the same room with those men and love them genuinely love them with the love of God um, is that I took the focus wasn't on me and what happened to me and oh you know whatever but on what it took those men to get to the point that they would do that to a little girl do you understand what I'm saying that what brought them to that and the compassion that I had for them. You just, Steve has talked about this incessantly. You don't just, just it doesn't just happen. Just to, oh, I don't know how that happened. What? It is a, a progression of being taught those things. It is a, a, a progression of the enemy speaking lies to you that causes people to do evil things. Right? We're not born that way. Um, and so for me to sit back and just have compassion on them and for what happened in their lives to bring them to do something like that is how I can be in the same room with those men and love on them and give them hugs and talk to them. Because what they have gone through in their lives to get them to, their, to that point, I believe is far worse than what I endured as a little girl. Because they're still living with it. And I know they are. They, um, they all have health issues. All of them have serious health issues. And, because and, and, and some of them have been suicidal and some have, 
like uh, they're, multiple they're, marriages. That's it, one of the things, like, uh, not to, yeah, but, you know, the enemy did that to you to, to not just make you feel bad. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He did that to you so that he could kill you and kill the one that did it to you. Mm-hmm. And the fact is, sometimes we fall right into his plans. And we experience the death of it for 20 years. And don't you know that actually makes the enemy more happy? If he could kill you in a second, that'd be great. If he can kill you and make it last 20 years, party in hell. And we do that. We fall right into that plan. And let him do that to us and then replay it and replay it and death and death and death and death. And then we wonder why we spew death on other people in our lives. I know that they are living in guilt and torment over it, and I am not going to be the one that adds to it. Right? If if they are going to open the door to God's forgiveness for what they did, and if it comes through me, what kind of testimony would that be to them and to um, the people in the family that might know what's going on? That that's how much God's forgiveness reaches to. That's the bounds of God's forgiveness. That it, it will even forgive those men who do those things. And if I can be that light, if I can be the example, if I can be that love to them, you know, that is my heart. Because they are. They're, they're living in a torment that, that I am so, so thankful that I, I don't have to live in that anymore. I am free from that. And I want to give that opportunity to everyone in my life that I can. To help? Good. You're a tough chick. You got this. Derek? Okay, well, uh, for some of you that don't know, I, I have things that I think about about scripture and so uh normally i do this privately i thought well we'll do it in public today so one of the things you guys probably know i do a lot of history and uh i noticed something in old testament there's like all these empires babylon persia and all these and all of them were pretty much destroyed and we see in the old testament god destroys this destroys that the canaanites all these people are gone and uh i kind of grew up my my background, especially in the last 50 years, have been taught America is under judgment. Okay? And that's kind of the philosophy. And I'm looking around. It looks like it. But then I had a thought, and so I kind of wanted your thoughts on this, about how things may have changed in the Grace Age. Because when I thought about all of the empires that have existed since Jesus, none of them have really been destroyed. They just kind of go down. England's still here. We want a war, you know, they're still here. Japan's still here. Oh, everybody's still here. So, and it made a difference because I thought this idea of America being under judgment and other countries being under judgment. So my thoughts are, okay, is my line of thinking right on this, that God really is not going to do any of that in this grace age until the end. Uh, So anyway, that was kind of my little epiphany and thought, and I wanted your take on that and maybe... Add a little on what that would have to do with how you view the end times, too. You know, would it tweak things? Because it has for me a little bit. Anyway, so that's my question.
I'll, I'll take it to the core of it. So the core question is, are we being judged by God? Um, if not, are we about to be judged by God? Are we in the judgment of God? Is this the judgment of God? Judgment, judgment. Um, the answer is new. If you, if you think judgment as in like, uh, wrath and destruction, um, absolutely not. If God was to wrath and destruct America because of our sinfulness, is anybody aware that there's like 209 other nations on this planet? Do you know anything about them? At all? And if we're the target of God's wrath, you <laughs> need to pay attention to what's going on in the world. This is not the wrath or the judgment of God. And by the way, if it was, the scriptures say, uh, declare adamantly that judgment begins in the house of God. Now, I do believe that. Now, here's the problem. The word judgment would best be, every time you see the word judgment, the best way to one word translate it would be the word justice. And we understand that. Anybody that's ever been to court, I would have you raise your hand, but we... But if you've ever been to court, the judge gives a judgment. Which hopefully, 50% of the time, means someone's innocent. Why do we always assume that judgment is negative? I want America to be judged. I want justice to come to America. By my Father in heaven. And he's working on it. Justice is coming. I want it to happen. I'm not scared of it. I'm not, I'm not. And by the way, for a Christian to believe that God has judgment for you means that you've probably grown up back. Oh, I won't say it. <laughs> Almost said it. You grew, you grew up religious. You grew up religious. If you think that God is going to punish you or judge you negatively because of the sins that you've committed, then you don't know the cross. That's the whole reason Jesus was on the cross, is to get the judgment, the wrath, and the punishment for all sins, for all people, for all time. Which means that if a person believes that they're going to get it as well, either means A, God didn't accept Jesus' sacrifice, or B, your salvation is contingent on Jesus and you. Because he didn't do enough. So you got to add a little bit of you to it. God bless you if you think that you're God. Or C, you've done so many things that are so far beyond the cross. Like God just can't let you get away with your stuff. So he's got to give you something. <laughs> And these, these doctrines filter into the body of Christ. I have no idea how they get there. It's, I think it's, it's well-intended preachers that don't want people living in sin. And I get that. I don't want people living in sin. I don't want people walking around Lena like, well, beloved church, they get to sin all they want over there. Uh, I, that's not my goal here. 
My goal is, I believe if you actually seen that you were a righteous and holy son of God, that your behaviors, your mouth, the way you love your spouse, the way you love your family, the way you handle your finances, the way you are kind to other people would be the fruits of that. For me to tell you not to sin violates the whole integrity of what God has already done on the inside of you. Your old sin man is dead. Now, if you want to, in your freedom, go have intercourse with Satan, that is your call. Because that's what sin is. James 1 says that sin is intercourse with Satan. You want to go have intercourse with Satan? That's on you. You're free to do that. For me, I'm going to go ahead and stay pure with my father. It's way better. But the whole purpose of the cross was to take the judgment, the wrath, and the punishment for all sins, for all people, for all time. And to think that America, or that God's going to come and judge America and do it with a, a virus that's worldwide, like that doesn't even make God fair. <laughs> and it's worse in other And some of the countries that it's barely, they barely even have any COVID are some of the worst places in the world. There's a bunch of African nations that don't have any COVID. And some of those nations are literally torturing, stealing and selling. Slavery still exists in the world. I don't know if you know this or not. They're still grabbing kids and sending them into the trafficking. And a lot of those places that's happening are in African nations that have no COVID. Earthquakes, tornadoes, all this kind of stuff. I am here, let me say this, I know this is a huge subject, this is end time stuff, let me say this, if the wrath of God was to fall on either A, our nation, or B, our world, you wouldn't be asking me if it was the wrath of God. Ask Pharaoh, he'll tell you what the wrath of God looks like, it looks like an ocean that fell on his head. That's the wrath of God. Ask Sodom and Gomorrah. Literal meteors of flaming fire falling from heaven. That would be the wrath of God. You're not going to turn and say, I wonder, did we talk to the weatherman about the fiery meteorites? He didn't, I didn't read this in my weather app about, you know it's the wrath of God. And for us to say, well, is this the wrath of God? It's not the wrath of God. Beloved church has doubled since this. It's not the wrath of God. Judgment is always taking place because God is judge. And he is always bringing things into justice. Evil people that you think are getting away with evil things, they're not. They're not. And for you to think that they are literally means that you've been deceived by what's going on in the world. You need to stop being deceived. God is just. This is why the Bible says the wrath of man works not the righteousness of God. God said, I will repay. Justice is mine. I will repay. When you try to do it to anyone, if I give her the silent treatment, because she's not being the good wife that I think she's supposed to be. I have just taken the place of God, and I have made her 
my slave, and she is going to feel my wrath by me giving her the silent treatment and giving her what she deserves. And then I'm going to pray the next morning to God, thank you for your mercy, fresh every day, your mercy that was fresh today. I'm going to pray for mercy while I'm giving her what she deserves. Not knowing what I really do deserve. And who am I praying to? Jesus, who hung on a cross for nothing that he deserved. How's that going to work? Jesus, please give me mercy while I'm giving my wife what she deserves. Okay, did you see the holes? The holes? You want what now? I want, I want justice. No, <laughs> you want mercy. And you need to give mercy to other folks. God's doing the same thing. God is merciful. Eternally merciful. And let me say this. This is the only nation ever, ever in human history that was founded by people who wanted to freely worship Jesus. The only nation ever so if God was to pour judgment out on us and the rest of the world can stand there and say, you know, that would literally be anti-Christ. It would be anti-gospel for America to experience judgment and wrath and the rest of the world be like, it's all good over here. It would literally be God saying, here's what happens when you're a Christian. Let me get them. Like, <laughs> that is not the way to evangelize everyone. This nation is protected. And I'm, I know I'm getting off into stuff that I might get into next week, but we have nothing to worry about for two reasons. One, naturally, this nation was established by people who wanted to freely worship Jesus Christ. The only nation that has ever done that. I know you might be thinking about Israel. Israel didn't. Israel, God put together so someone could actually carry his word, and a bunch of times they tried to get out of it. And I'm not saying that America ain't trying to get out of it right now. I mean, they're doing a darn good job. But we cut, our founding fathers cut a covenant with God, and God's going to keep his part of the covenant. Two, the church, the ecclesia, that Jesus is still building will go to the gates of hell and kick devil tail. And the church of the Lord Jesus Christ has no greater presence in this world than in America. She might not be awesome. I get you. There's a bunch of empty church houses. There's a bunch of people that are watching me now that don't even go to church. Those aren't the people I'm talking to. That ain't the real remnant. Those are people that think that they're okay. That really, honestly, that's just people that have a salvation, a self-centered salvation. Well, as long as I'm saved, it's good. I don't have to go to church. I don't have to be a part of what they're doing. I don't have to actually serve people. I don't have to do all that. As long as I don't go to hell, I'm, I'm okay. It's a terrible, it's not even real authentic Christianity. Christianity is it's not about me, it's about him. <laughs> and if they would ever understand that, then they'd be gathered together with the saints, learning how they could affect their world. But because a bunch of the body of Christ is sitting at home saying, well, I voted. <laughs> Congratulations. Once every four years, we can count on you. <clears throat> The wrath of God, the judgment of God on sin at the very end is going to be on the sin. 
the sin that is the unforgivable sin, which is the sin of rejecting salvation. That is the only unforgivable sin, Jesus told us that, and it makes a ton of sense. How can you be forgiven of the sin of rejecting the forgiveness? That is what the judgment and the wrath of God is going to be poured out on. And it's not going to be poured out on a nation. It would be unjust for God to to explode the castle house because Steve is, Steve's evil and Kay and Gunner and Hannah are righteous. If we learn anything from the story of Lot and Abraham, it was God is, is totally willing to protect in the story of Lot and Abraham, Abraham's like, Can, will you save him for 40? Will you save him for 35? Will you save him for 30? Will you save him for 20? Will you save him for 10? God's like, yeah, I'll save him. And then, even after Abraham negotiated God down to 10 to save Sodom and Gomorrah, God took the, five, the, the four righteous people and still got them out. God is always going to the extremes to save and protect. And if you say that you're God's kid which I know some people don't. They might sing songs like that, but you don't actually believe that you are your father's son. If you believe you're your father's son, and he did something terrible to you just because you're around a bunch of people that are doing things wrong, and you're trying to have them do it right, your dad is a terrible dad. And your father in heaven is not a terrible father. He is good and righteous. He's doing every single thing he can to get his goodness, to get his love, to get his grace, and to get his provision into your life. The only reason it ain't flowing is because of you, not him. And you can't blame it on your ungodly neighbors. And I know people take scriptures all the time and say, well, these, all these people are being evil in this part of the, of the country, and so then these bad things are happening to these people over here, and I ain't got time to decipher all that, but it's not that simple. It's not that cut and dried. And we have a different covenant with God in the new covenant than they did in the old covenant. In the old covenant, if the whole nation acted stupid, they literally had a covenant that said, hey, if the whole nation acts stupid, I have to do stuff to you. In the new covenant, it is an individual covenant. You will never let the children say that their fathers ate sour grapes and now the children's teeth are set on edge. Ezekiel 18, I think, or 16. It's in Ezekiel. Read the whole book. The new covenant is you are personally responsible for your own behavior and your father will father you. And if you're doing stupid stuff, you're going to put yourself in harm's way and the enemy's going to eat your lunch and pop the bag. What's wrong with you people? That's great. <laughs> Kay doesn't get into a lot of eschatology. The anonymous question is about basically about Luke seventeen thirty seven. I don't know if you can put that up, sis. Um, they, uh, this person that asked it actually did the right thing, which is they asked about Luke seventeen twenty through thirty seven. Uh, Luke seventeen thirty seven is a very obscure scripture, <laughs> and this it's kind of funny that these are the ones that people are usually drawn to. They miss everything from twenty to thirty six. Everything the Lord was teaching, and they drilled down on, well, what's 37 mean? If you put it into context with 20 through 36, it makes a ton more sense. And I get it, because these are some of those things that 
These are just awkward statements, and people are like, whoa, what is that all about? So, first of all, eagle, we have a positive opinion of the word eagle, but it really just means a vulture. Because eagles really are, as, as much as we love them and we put them on our flags and stuff or whatever, uh, they're not really, they don't have really positive opinions of them in other countries because they eat dead things, carcasses. And eagles do. I've seen eagles probably 30 or 35, 40 times in my life, and more than half the times they're sitting in a cornfield eating a skunk or something. And I'm like, hey, you're supposed to be like the bird of the nation, and you're eating a skunk that's dead. What's wrong with you? You're misrepresenting America. But that's what they do. They, stop it, they eat carcasses. And so the verses, and they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Wheresoever the body is, thither, thither will the eagles be gathered together. So where the carcass is, you can expect to find vultures. Where there's death, expect to find things feeding off of death. This can help a ton of you. This wasn't some disconnected statement that the Lord's making. If you have death in your life, if you're adopting a death mentality or death behaviors or death language or death in your relationships, if you adopt that, guess what you're going to attract? Demonic activity that feeds on that death. Let me, let me just say this, and I don't want to get into demonology because I'll mess with everybody. But demons are leeches. They cannot produce... Okay, Satan has no life. None. The only way for Satan to get life is to steal it. From whom? Not from his people. His people are dead. We are the only reason Satan's still alive. Let that one give you warm fuzzies tonight when you go to bed. His demons are the same way. They have no life. They have to go and attract themselves and attach themselves to the people of God to get life to survive. If you remember when Jesus cast all the demons out of the, uh, the gathering demoniac, they said, well, don't cast us into the nothingness. We'll die. Can we at least go into the pigs? And I think Jesus was, and I don't have time to get into it, but I think he was like, oh, okay, you can go to pigs. Ah. <laughs> I think Jesus was like, that was awesome. <laughs> Let me just say this. You give the devil way too much credit. You think he's really, really smart. The Bible specifically says if the, if the devil would have known what, they, what he was doing when he crucified the Lord of glory, he would have never crucified him. Don't you know they was like, yeah, crucify him, get him, all demons get him, death get him, Rome get him, Jews get him, yay, we got him. Oh, he's here. <laughs> Honey, <laughs> get the shotgun. <laughs> it ain't working. I'm going to preach on that. Apec duomai. In this, in this series that we're in, I'm going to preach on apec duomai. What happened in hell when Jesus was there? Wait till you hear that one. 
So this is the statement is saying that you need to avoid this death cycle that is taking place in the end times. There's, it's actually pretty applicable to our lives today. We're in an end time cycle, and there is a whole ton of death. And I cannot tell you how appalled I am sometimes that the people of God attracted to this death that's going on in people's lives, in, in mainstream media, in Hollywood and all that. They're literally attracted to this. They glorify it. They worship death. Some of the most popular people, at least in pop culture, are some of the most... It's shocked, like... And I don't mean to name names, but like Marilyn Manson, like and when I was a kid, Ozzy Osbourne. Like, these are people that literally glorify and brag about selling their souls to Satan. And people are like, yeah, that's my guy. I'm buying all his albums. Christians! <laughs> Christians, there is going, you put yourself among the carcasses and don't get mad when a vulture lands on your head and starts plucking your eyes out. And then you're like, God, why is there vultures on my head? Get away from all the carcasses. Get out of that way of living. Get out of that way of thinking. Get, especially in the end time. Before this, a, a few verses before this, it's one of the, it's the second shortest verse in the New Testament. Remember Lot's wife. Some of you need to go read the story again. Lot's wife got rescued by God. And she turned back around. Because she wanted that life more than she wanted to be rescued by God. Man, I can name names. <laughs> that would rather keep their lifestyle than be rescued by God. Name names. And what happened to her? She turned into a pillar of salt. And salt represents a ton of things that I can't get into. But literally in this whole discourse, Jesus said, remember Lot's wife? Same exact, there it is. Look at you. Second shortest verse in the New Testament. Shortest one, Jesus wept. Second shortest one, remember Lot's wife. You remember those two verses? You're doing all right. (laughs) Remember Lot's wife. She wanted the death, and the death got her. And a lot of people do this. A lot of people like their demons. A lot of people like their death. A lot of people, because they're just, they've been around death and drama their whole lives. That's why they perpetuate death and drama. And you know what I'm talking about. All these drama people, that they, if there's no drama, they'll make it. And if there ain't enough, they'll double it. And they'll just, you can rescue them out of drama. You can get the kid out of the ghetto, but you can't get the ghetto out of the kid. It takes a born-again experience. And there's people in Beloved Church, God bless them, but they're very dramatic people, and they've got to, got to have all the cycles of drama around their life. That's why social media is a is always open on their app and they're always in conversations and they're always family stuff and it's just because they love the drama. They love the death. And then they're mad that the vultures land on their head and, and puck their eyes out. Stay away from the death. Amen. <laughs> Does anybody want my gently worn Bible? All right, please rise. I would like to bless you. Thank you so much.
so much for sharing a few moments with us as we have encountered Jesus Christ through the ministry of his precious, life-changing word. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of Pastor Steve Castle and Beloved Church, please visit us online at BelovedChurchIllinois.com or call us at 815-990-0367. Always remember that you are part of the Beloved Family of God, and at Beloved Church, this is where you are greatly loved. Now please open your heart as Pastor Steve proclaims the blessing of the Father over your life. Beloved, I pray, I desire, I declare that above all things that you allow the finished work of the cross to bring prosperity into your finances and also divine health prospering your body and all of these things are going to affect you in a supernatural way as you allow your soul, your mind, your will, your emotions, and your personality to be perfected in prosperity that the Father desires for you to have. We love you, and we cannot wait to see and be with you again soon. Goodbye, beloved. Speak life.